Baseball isn't just numbers, numbers, numbers. This game is not being played on computers. You don't do that with a bunch of statistical gimmicks. You don't put a team together with a computer. We're talking weighted runs created plus. Expected Woba. His sweet spot rate. Defensive runs above average. Average exit velocity. Barrel rate. XFIP. BABIP. SIERA. We are above replacement radio. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball. Kind of whenever I'm your host, Chris Gianta, over there. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. We got some postseason baseball to talk about today, not a whole lot. Uh, in fact, we have the bare minimum amount of postseason baseball to talk about today. But uh, the wild card round has come and gone. Uh, you absolutely nailed your all-sweeps prediction. Just don't, just don't read into what teams you picked, but you nailed the all-sweeps prediction. Yeah, I was I was saying it. I was saying it like this is, you know, who no matter who wins, it's it's going to be all sweeps. Book yeah. it, you know, take it to the house. You know, I didn't even I didn't even specify teams when I made my predictions. I was just like there's going to be two baseball games in this series and then we're going to move on. And uh yeah, that's I I made the I made the exact right choices. Except you did mention that the Phillies are going to win in two. I did. I did. As a side note, I was I was so confident in that that I did mention that. But yeah, the other three, it's irrelevant what what my thoughts yeah. were on who was going no, to. It, does, it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nothing matters. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about how maybe the wild card series just isn't it because in three years of doing the the best of three series, we have seen uh thirteen series, uh. And in two, in sweeps, and only three of them, including none this year, uh, going to a decisive game three. Two of them were without fans. Uh, we've had one like game three with fans before. Yeah, and it it doesn't seem to really matter whether it's whether like the home team's winning or the away team's winning. It just seems like it's going to end in two. Yeah. Because you figure that would be more a home team advantage of like, okay, if you get the first one, maybe it's just done. But even, yeah, like the Rangers and Diamondbacks, they went on the road, they won game one, and then just took took game two by multiple runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and there, none of the games were like particularly memorable. Like some games got good. You know, like the Brewers had the tying run at the plate, you know, last night. In the ninth inning with two outs, but you know that was you know that was probably the most like tense moment in any of these games. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Like the you could argue the best moment was a grand slam on on a in a three nothing ball game where the yeah. team up three got the grand slam. Yeah, if it would made it a four three game, that would have been fun. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was that might have been that that might have been the best the best moment. Um, and yeah, there, I think there was just like some overall, just not, just not paying off on opportunities, uh, throughout each of these series, um, for stats, for, for stats on all series, uh, team scored 2.9 runs per game. Uh, league average is like four and a half. So scoring 2.9 runs per game, that's not great. And you could say, you know, Hey, these are. These are aces going out there, but also these are playoff offenses. You know, I, I, normally this does not happen. 
Uh, also, teams were two for 16 with a sacrifice fly with the bases loaded. Also at a 431 OPS with the bases loaded. Um, it just seemed even like they the were leaving. Yeah, they were they were leaving them loaded. And yet, even with the Grand Slam on 16 plate appearances, they had a 431 OPS with bases loaded. Um, also, only 11 home runs in these series. Uh, there that's 0.7 per team per game. Uh, the 2023 season average in the regular season was 1.2. Uh, the te- these teams were at 0.7 this past uh these past two games, and uh, also batters hit 233 with runners in scoring position. Two uh hitters were 256, uh in in those situations, in the regular season. So yeah, just like not a lot of like big moments, not a lot of clutch hitting. Um, it was a we it was a pretty weird you know, two, you know, uh, two days of baseball there. Yeah, no, it was a very odd, uh, couple of days. You know, unfortunately nothing really memorable other than the Bryson Stodd grand slam. It was just, you know, a cool moment. Like what, what are we going to remember from this series in two weeks? Other than like, haha, the Rays lost, the Blue Jays lost, they got swept. Uh, the Brewers got swept at home. Like, what are we gonna remember other than that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess like maybe the the pickoff. The... I'll remember the pickoff. I mean, I you know what people are gonna remember is the uh, the Barrios move. Which yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that later. But you know, people will never let that one go, despite the fact that the Blue Jays got shut out in that game. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, one hundred one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping I don't have to lean on this for for what, you know, the good playoff baseball was. You know, I'm hoping I'm hoping there are moments that are going to make me forget the this uh this wild card round because if if not then we're looking forward to a, a an unfortunate postseason. Yeah. Um I've I've looked back at it. I think the best wild card series game we've ever seen in these 3 years uh is the the Padres and Cardinals game three from 2020. Yeah. I, which is unfortunate. Yeah. That was like the best one. Yeah. Did the Padres come back in that one? They did. There was also like the Yankees Guardians game two, which was pretty good. But like, I think the fact that it was a game two just like kind of takes it out. That was the game where like Stanton hit a grand slam off James Karinchak to take the lead. They, 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 you know, the Guardians blew a lead in the ninth inning. The Yankees came back. Uh, I'll never forget. It came down to Austin Hedges as the last hope for for Cleveland. And his like two twelve slugging that year. Yeah, jo- Josh Naylor just decided to have a five hit game. Yeah, yep. yeah. Josh um, Naylor just decided to be the greatest player in the league that series. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was. Yeah, that like that one was pretty good. Even Padres Cardinals game two had some moments because I think they were down like four in that one too. Um, so yeah, I mean, it all those twenty twenty ones are kind of a blur because there was you know there were literally like eighteen of those or yeah eighteen of those games I think, and they all yeah. happened in a three days span. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah it. This round has this round has not built up a good re- reputation so far. It has not. Yeah. A lot of people missed the wild card game, which I think is fair. 
Um, a lot of people don't like that a division winner can just like get knocked out before the NLDS or the ALDS, um, which I also think is fair. Um, yeah. But then again, you know, like if the Phillies made it to the World Series last year as the sixth seed, like they wouldn't have made it otherwise. Um, they were, I think, a much better option than the Cardinals last year. Uh, the Diamondbacks might end up being a better option than the Brewers. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like how it's worked out even just the past couple of years, like that three seed is more like a wild card team than the other division winners. Uh, yeah. Because like, there's been such a gap between division winners one and two and then three. Yeah. Like, you know, it's been, it's been those AL central and NL central teams. And for some, for some reason, how it's been, how it's been chopped out the past couple of years is there's, there's an imbalance. So like, you know, if you want to say you could you could also argue that yeah the the regular season you know who gets rewarded with playoff spots is kind of uneven because i mean the twins literally went into that playoff series with a with a worse record than the twins as division winners so you know i think it kind of balances that out to where like oh you know you don't just automatically get immunity because you're you're a division winner like you may have to face a tough 6 seed so I don't I don't mind it as much if if it were a case where all the division winners were getting like 93 plus wins, I'd get it more. But, you know, the, obviously, uh, or at least in the past two years, I don't have the statistics on it, but I think it's I think they're two and they're I think those three seeds are two and two or something like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there has just been a balance of power between the best team in the East and West and the Central for whatever reason, because I think the. I think in that era, this like since twenty twenty two, the Centrals have only been the three seed, right? Uh, yeah, right, because it was Philly and yeah, Cleveland and the Cardinals last year, and Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland won a very underwhelming series too. Um, yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> three combined runs in in the <laughs> in the series. Yeah. Or um, excuse me, four. Yeah, four four combined runs in the series. Yeah, so so yeah, and and I know the Twins were the 3 seed back in 2020 and the Cubs were the th- 3 seed back in 2020 as well. So Yep. It goes yeah. back even and further. And both of them lost. And both of them lost. So yeah. the 3 seeds are 2 and 4 in the history of the, of these types of series, which is all all against the 6 seeds. All against the 6 seeds. So yeah. You know, like if that's if those are the two and one seeds facing those teams, I don't think they're I don't think they're losing that much. So, you know, there is something to be said about that. Yeah. Um Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's I don't know. I, I think we just need one year where we get like three game threes and like two of them are really good for people to buy in. It just hasn't happened. Yeah, absolutely. Just winner take all games in general have just gone down in the past couple of years i think there's only been there's only been like two since like the 2021 alcs i think it's been it's been uh or, or since the 2021 nlds between the giants and dodgers there's been like two it's been mets padres and yankees guardians who, which also were not the best winner take all games mm-hmm. um so yeah it 
we need yeah we need some more winner take all games and i fit i figured the wild card series would do that for us but it has not 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 this year not this yeah, year yeah i mean we we used to start the playoffs with you know two automatic winner take all games um which was great like it was a lot of fun um yeah i think a lot of fans missed that now that we haven't really had the success of the wild card series producing some good game threes yeah yeah i definitely i definitely get that i mean it was such a great way to such a great way to start the playoffs and yeah the, uh, is... yeah the oakland uh chicago game three was also like pretty good that was the game where liam Hendricks just like carried out of the bullpen but like you know not a lot of people remember it not a lot of people remember like the early 2020 playoffs at all yeah not really i remember like, the the first day the first day of that i was just like not available for four or five of the games mm-hmm. yeah i mean name, name a thing that happened in the braves marlins and lds in houston i know the marlins were up like four nothing in game one or something like that and then it went all went downhill from there <laughs> every game felt like a copy and paste of the last i think travis darno went off in that series or something yeah like yeah it, it tough living <laughs> but yeah but yeah, um, very funny. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, anything more before we dive specifically into these series? Uh, no, let's get into them. We got some baseball to recap. Yeah, so we'll start off in chronological order and talk about the Rays and Rangers, which shocked me. Like, out of all, out of all four of these series, I was most confident in Rays and two. Uh, that that was my most confident. I was in a prediction, in a good while. Like I was, I was very you know pinned on the fact that a you know the Rangers had just come off a bad loss, uh, bad series loss to, you know, extend their road trip to eight potentially nine games. Uh, it I think Bruce Bochy mentioned in his press conference after winning this series that, uh, you know their flight from Seattle to. Tampa Bay went over Dallas uh you know that's that's very you know uh neurotic I guess you could say if, if or uh not neurotic what's the whatever the word like is upsetting yeah it's it's very uh melodramatic I guess but yeah it, it kind of um it kind of sucked and also we, the Rays just seemed better on paper but the Rangers go out there they went into convincingly both times i mean what were your thoughts on this one yeah i mean the rays offense just really didn't show up the rays have scored two runs in their last 42 postseason innings going back to the start of the 2022 postseason against cleveland um yandy diaz hit under 200 for the series randy rosarena was good um uh, yeah, like no one really, no one really stepped up the way that like Corey Seager did, the way that Evan Carter did, uh, the way that like Jonah Heim did. Um, the Rays just didn't have a guy that like truly carried. Randy Rosarena looked like he was going to, and he kind of just didn't. Unfortunately, he did hit 375 with an 875 OPS, I believe. But you know, you can't have that be your best hitter in a postseason series, and especially in a two-game series. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, as a as a lineup, the Rays had a 34% chase rate, which was the highest among all the playoff teams uh, in this in this series. Um, I think the league average chase rate is around 28%. They were at 34. 
And yeah, like, you know, this was an offense. They had a better OPS plus than the Rangers offense, which got a lot of praise for its offense um, and performed pretty well in this series. But yeah, I mean, I, you, you know, you have to give kudos to the Rangers pitching game one. It's, it's Jordan Montgomery with seven innings, uh, no runs and no walks, five strikeouts. Um, he excelled off of soft contact. Uh, Jordan Montgomery had a 78.6 mile per hour average exit velocity against a 14% hard hit rate. And also this was an interesting note I found. Um, it is the most not, it was the most non hard hit batted balls allowed by a pitcher in a playoff game in the stat cast era. And out of 45 playoff appearances with 20 plot with 20 plus batted balls against in the stat cast era, Montgomery's outing had the lowest hard hit rate. That's how good, good. That's how good Montgomery was at getting soft contact. And that's kind of the archetype of pitcher he is. So it makes sense. So, I mean, I mean, you do have to give a lot of kudos to this Rangers pitching staff. Yeah. The Rays, the Rays, the Rangers pitching staff also kind of kept the race to like a relatively low sweet spot percentage. I believe it was 28% in game one. It was up a little bit in game two, but it wasn't like crazy good sweet spots. It was like, you know, like a ball that was 32 degrees, but like hit 90 miles an hour. So a yeah. fly out uh, or a ball that was hit, you know, eight degrees, but, you know, a ground out. Um, so, you know, the, yeah, the Rangers did a really excellent job all around of inducing bad contact against the Rays, not to mention the 34% chase rate. The fact that they struck out 11 times in game two and many more in game one. Uh, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. Uh, they had very good command, as you have here, one walk in 18 innings. Um, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just kind of suppressed everyone in that offense, uh, to a degree. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Eovaldi really, really surprised me, although it shouldn't have surprised me. Like it's, it's playoff Nate, it's big, big game Nate. He, you know, seems to excel in these types of situations. It was just, I was really, you know, I put him as, as my slightly alarming in our, in our most recent episode, because he was having he was the worst pitcher in the month of September, pretty much. Uh, but he goes out, he brushes that all off and throws six and two thirds innings pitch, allows one run, walks nobody, uh, which was a problem for him. He had he had walked 13 uh, percent of the batters he faced in in uh, the month of September. He walks nobody and he strikes out eight, allows zero extra base hits after having a very high barrel rate in the month of September and then gets a 43% chase rate in that game, which is pretty unbelievable. So he must have just flipped the switch, you know, brushed that all off. Uh, shout out to him for doing that. And yeah, to go off the point of the batted ball data on the Rays, they had the lowest expected WOBA of the eight playoff teams uh, over the past couple of days. So, you know, that that was, you know, they, were, they weren't getting unlucky. It was just the Rangers were just completely shutting them down. Yeah, no, it was... It, I mean, it just looked, it, they looked like a completely different team entirely. Um, do we want to talk about the attendance stuff? Uh, I mean, it was, it was surprising to me. I'll, like... It was, it was surprising to me as well. I understand, you know, there's the whole issue with the, you know, the location of Tropicana Field relative to Tampa, the city of Tampa. Um, I understand, you know, it was 3 p.m. on a weekday, but the lowest, the two lowest playoff attendance games since 1919 that's the lowest in the live ball era um like the 1925 world series game seven and all that rain had more had more people there than than these Rays games like that can't happen 
yeah no it, it's it's really rough i mean you could partially blame like scheduling and you know it was probably two days notice everyone was given that it was going to be three o'clock on weekdays but you know they also scheduled that time for a reason because you know they less people watch raise games so mm -hmm. uh whether it's in person or on the television yeah it's it's that was that was yeah that, that was pretty brutal to watch i'm trying to see what their um what the attendance was back in 2021 the last time they hosted a uh yeah i mean they were night games so i'm sure it's a little bit better and plus yeah. they were playing the red Sox, so like naturally there were probably a lot of opposing fans there um even i even remember in like 2019 like when they played the astros when they were down two nothing in the series and two one in the series like those games looked like they were pretty well attended um and it just looked a lot worse this year which is weird because it's like you know like we now know that the team is staying uh in in their market you know they're not going to tampa they're staying in st petersburg but uh you know you don't have to you don't have fans that have to worry about like you know, do I want to give this owner money because he might be taking the team somewhere else? Like we know the future of the Rays is staying where they are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and by the way, game one of the 2021 ALDS was uh, 27,000 in yeah, attendance. And game two, game two was 37,000. So I think part of it is, is a little bit of, of, of a timing issue too. So I feel like it shouldn't really be an excuse. Yeah, you know, no. like I understand. I understand you're not gonna put forty thousand people in those in those stands, but like you couldn't even get half that. Right. Yeah. It it it's huh. a it's a very tough look, um, and yeah, it it does kind of cement the idea to me that you know they they should have done made their best effort to get into Tampa Bay to for that yeah. new stadium, because yeah. yeah, if you can't get them to St. Petersburg for a playoff game. It's it's not the best. Yeah, like I said, you know, their new stadium is gonna only have thirty thousand seats. Like, you know, I mean, sure, it'll look sold out next time the Red Sox come in for a playoff series, but you know, it's still gonna be a only thirty thousand seat stadium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, twenty nineteen. Also, both both of those uh games were attended by thirty two thousand people. Yeah, um, like I I'm pretty sure I remember those games being well attended. Yeah, like maybe not sold out to the fullest but almost like this was this was pretty weird i don't i don't know what the explanation is i'm sure some local people might be might know a little bit more but yeah that was that was not the best so uh evan carter Corey seager broke out for this this series for the uh the rangers that yeah pretty cool yeah evan carter like Three for four, three walks, two walk. Uh, three for four, three walks, two doubles, home run, twenty-eight seventy-five OPS. Uh, also the second player in playoff history to get three plus extra base hits and three plus walks in his first two pl career playoff games. Uh, the other guy to do it was twenty fifteen Jorge Soler. Didn't remember him being like that, but he was, I guess. Um, I don't either. I, if you tell me Jorge Soler's first time in the playoffs, I would have probably guessed. It was 2021. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That just makes sense. I don't know. And Evan Carter, by the way, still has his rookie status for next year. That's how, you know, inexperienced he is, but he's still getting it done. And then, yeah, Corey Seager, four for eight, three doubles. Um, yeah. Corey Seager, yeah. by the way, um, 
I want to talk about him real quick because he's quietly becoming like an iconic postseason performer. Um, in 2020, obviously he was, I believe he was the NLCS MVP and the World Series MVP, right? Yes. Right? Am I? Yeah. So I mean, you know, during the entire uh 2020 postseason, he had an 1171 OPS. Uh, 2021 wasn't as great, but either way, uh, since 2020. He has played in 32 postseason games. He's hitting 285 with a 987 OPS, uh, 10 home runs, 28 RBI, 18 walks, uh, 378 on base percentage. Like, Corey Seager is a guy you want to have on your team in the playoffs, and I think he might be the best player in the playoffs uh, entirely on any team. Yeah, that like, is a... like Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, sure, but you know Corey Seager has the track record more than either of those two. Yeah, and and like putting them just at the plate, I think I might just ha- rather have Corey Seager than yeah. either of those two. Yeah, like, like if, if you know, if you wanted to pick who you want up in a big situation, I don't think you're wrong for picking Corey Seager over the other two. Yeah, like I'll take I'll take Acuna on the bases. I'll take Betts in the field, but Seager I want at the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty uh. Pretty extraordinary there. Also, 0.956 win probability added since 2020, which is a large number. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Rangers dominate. It really instills a lot of confidence in in them for me going forward. Um, it kind of instills the fact that, yeah, they. I mean, this is a team that almost beat the Astros out in the division, um, and we're very close to doing that. So... You know, there's there's something to be said about this team, and and there's a reason why they scored the most runs in baseball, and why, you know, they had a good team ERA and and everything like that. Um, I I hope that you know they can they can get through their pitching health problems still, you know, because they only had to pitch two games, so we'll see how it goes moving forward. But I mean, there's no reason why they can't you know take it take it to the World Series here. No, there there is no reason. I know that they're about to face the Baltimore Orioles, who are, you know, on paper, right by record, the best team that uh, they're going to face in the American League portion of the playoffs. Some might argue the Astros are a more competitive team for them, but um, yeah, I mean, if they can win this series against the Orioles, which I think they can, and honestly, I think if they can beat the Rays the way that they did, they can beat anybody, right? I mean, you know, if they went toe to toe with the Rays and like just barely squeaked out of there alive. You know, maybe you could look at that and say, okay, the Orioles are a better team. They're going to beat them. But they completely dismantled the Rays from the start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Orioles, they are the best, uh, you know, had the best record in the American League, but they were only two games better than the Rays. You know, yeah. like anything, yeah, anything's possible there. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the Orioles home field advantage will be better than the Rays home field advantage. But other than that, you know, I don't think it's it's that much of a that much of a jump. Um, anything more before we get into t- uh, Twins Blue Jays? Now let's get into it. The Twins, they are the Twins again. Yes, uh, they they won two postseason games, not even just one. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the Blue Jays have been maybe one of the most disappointing teams in this in the decade of the 2020s. I mean, all they've done really like I think the last time they performed to their expectations was 2020. Um, you know, they they make it to the playoffs. They, 
you know, lose that series against the Rays, but they weren't supposed to win a game in that series against the Rays. 2021, they had postseason hopes that came up just short. 2022 and 2023, they both had divisional expectations, and they kind of squeaked into the wild card and then went out in two games. Um, and this one was even less competitive than the last one, right? Because, you know, at least they almost won a game in 2022. Uh, that was not the case in this series. Yeah, at least they at least they had a lead in in twenty twenty two. I don't think they had a lead at all in this in this series. No. They scored um, well, they scored one run and it was when they were already down three nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm I'm extremely disappointed in the Blue Jays. I can't imagine what it's like being a Blue Jays fan considering all the investment, all the farm system buildup they've had over the course of the past several years. And just to, you know, I mean, at least they've made it into these situations, but just to kind of flop in these situations is, is has to be really frustrating. I mean, oh, and four, you know, four, four consecutive uh, playoff losses, no playoff wins in this, in this window. And that window is, you know, going to continue to close uh, they're it's, stacked. It's not getting. It's not getting any more open. Exactly. Like they're stacked with veterans who are probably going to continue to get older. Um, they're you know I'm not sure what their farm system looks like, but it's not going to save them necessarily. I don't think. Uh, from them getting you know significantly older, but yeah. Um, it 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 sucks. Just to break down what kind of went wrong in the series. Uh, they had four opportunities with a runner on third, and they never got that run in. They were 0 for 3, and they had a pickoff. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, that that kind of breaks it down for you. Like, they, they were able to get some runners on base, but, you know, they when they had those opportunities, they just really did not come through. Matt Chapman had a situation in, I believe, the sixth inning where it was bases loaded one out, and he hit into a double play. Um it is kind of satisfying that A-Rod had to call the series where game one was won strictly on home runs by a team that got out hit and game two just had no offense. Yes. Yes, indeed. R- ruining his narratives. Yep. Yep. Um, can we talk about Royce Lewis? Because that man is real. Yes. He, he hit two home runs. Two home runs on a Tuesday. Uh the only source of offense for the twins. He had a two run home run in the first inning and then a solo home run, I believe in the third. Um, and the twins won three to one. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he's, he's very real. Like there's a reason, I guess there is a reason why he was ranked so highly in the farms in, in the farm system for so long and how, or, you know, the fact that he was a number one overall pick. Yeah. It's all coming together now. Yeah, very, very happy for Royce Lewis. He's it's been a long time coming for him. Yeah, absolutely. Like the journey and from, he's still, and he's still only twenty four. Yeah, exactly. Like it does seem like a while since he got drafted, but I mean he was drafted out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it you know he's a twenty four year old guy. So even with the long journey, still a young guy. I mean, still younger than when Aaron Judge was a rookie. Um, which is funny funny to think about so yeah i mean that's cool like he's gonna be in that lineup continuing into the houston series i don't know what his status is for how he how he can play the field or how he can run the bases 
because it, apparently that's a problem. Like I forget what in, what specific injury he has, but yeah, um, it's not affecting his trot around the bases. And if he keeps keeps hitting home runs, he'll stay in that lineup. Exactly. Um, um but the pitching staff. You know, I knew that this that was going to be the Twins' biggest strength going into this series, and it more than impressed. Pablo Lopez uh, looked really good. Sonny Gray, five shutout innings. Obviously, the bullpen the bullpen looked amazing. Louis Varland coming out, like, sitting 100. I was not ready for that. Um, obviously, Johan Duran looked fantastic. Uh, every single guy that – it just felt like every single guy that came in was, like, another guy that – you know, you might not be super familiar with, you know, Caleb Felbar was another one, but like another guy you might not be super familiar with, but they're going to get the job done every time, you know, Griffin Jacks, uh, yeah, Louis Varland, Brock Stewart looked excellent yesterday in his relief outing. Uh, we didn't even get to see Chris Paddock in this one. Yeah, no, no, not, not at all. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously the twin staff as a whole only allowed one run, but the bullpen allowed zero in their, uh, I believe seven and a third innings pitched. Uh, they they were pretty excellent. They had looks like um, ten strikeouts in those seven and a third innings with one walk. Um, so you know, just FIP wise, that looks also very amazing. Uh, and yeah, whenever they did have someone in scoring position or a runner on base, they came through and and you know did not allow that run to score. Yeah, um, uh, it was it was a really really well pitched series, um, against a, a a good offense too, right? I mean they you know, they kind of silenced all of those bats. Like, who do you really remember being a solid bat in that series for the Blue Jays? Yeah, it it's there. <laughs> like I think George Springer had some good you know some good batted balls. I mean sure. he opened he opened the. He opened game two with a 111 mile per hour line drive for a base hit, but he did do that. Yeah, I do remember that. But I don't really know anything, anything other than that. Uh, George, well, he hit 222 throughout the series. Uh, Bo Bichette hit 500 with a 1,000 OPS. And yeah, he did he was, hit a double. He was so over was there, good. opposite yeah. fielding. Blue Jays didn't hit a single home run, by the way. Um, yeah, that wasn't fantastic. Yeah, and they and hit the twins. Yeah. They hit three barrels, but they all went uh, to the center fielder. Yep. So they hit them to the wrong place. So I do want to talk about this Vlad Guerrero Jr. pickoff because that was I it, I would imagine that was probably the biggest like turning point in the game in terms of win probability added, right? Or at least one of the biggest turning points because the Blue Jays had uh runner the tying run on Vlad was the tying run at second base um in that game at that point. And there was a guy on second and third, two outs, and a three two count to Bobachet, and Sonny Gray turned around and ended up picking off uh Vlad. And there's a lot of speculation on why the Blue Jays lost this game and I think you don't need to point any further than that. Uh right, yeah. It- it's uh it's it's a large part of the reason. Um, I think also the what ended up being the highest impact when probability the, added the play. play was the double play. Yeah, it was it's tied for third, but it was uh I mean it was it was higher than any of the scoring plays. Yeah, and 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 um They're tied with one of the scoring plays. 
and yeah and that's you know that's just a, a bad base running mistake like you know we're we're big baseball fans we never see a pickoff at second ever no it's- and not only that but there's a lot you have to consider with how bad it was that he got picked off because you know if you if you're trying to steal third and you get picked off getting too much of a lead you know that happens but he was Vlad wasn't stealing third you know why because there was a guy on third so you think you think the guy on third was stealing home I'm gonna say probably not um and not only that but you know one thing that you mentioned was like you know maybe you know he's just trying to get a bigger lead so that he you know increases his chances of scoring on a base hit which is fair but if you want to do that just get a good secondary because you know what you don't even have to worry about getting picked off second on a snap throw by the catcher because it's three two if the ball reaches the catcher's glove at all that's the end of the at bat because it's either a walk or a strikeout in which it doesn't matter there's two outs you know, I, the other possibilities are foul ball, which you just go back or um, or like a, you know, a ball in play, which you're running on contact. Um, there was that's an inexcusable mistake. Um, you know, all Vlad had to do was not get too far off second there. That's all he had to do. Or like, you know, be aware of Carlos Correa being behind him um, and that, you know, Ultimately, that was the end of Sonny Gray's outing, right? Bobachet did make an out in his, in his, you know, when he came back up to hit, but, um, but it was against a different pitcher. And by the way, he had two hits in that game. Like you took the, you know, you he took the bat out of the hands of effectively their best bat in that series, uh, at the biggest point in the game, to that point. Yeah, and it's a, it's a three-two count. You know, I feel like that's a little bit more favorable towards hitters and. Sonny Gray's, you know, at the end of probably a long inning, um, probably there's probably a reason why he's going over to second because it, you know, the the task of getting that last pitch to get that last out, you know, that's a hard task to do, and that pickoff, you know, if if he didn't get the out, it would have been, you know, a little bit of a uh, a mental throw off from what he was doing on the mound and just a little bit of a refresher. Whereas, you know, if he was successful he was out of the inning so yeah i mean it's it's yeah all the responsibility there is is on vladimir Guerrero jr like you know either way you you know it's your you you just can't you just can't get picked off there and you know you have to be aware of who's around you um and the only thing the only thing he had to wor- the only thing he had to worry about if he wanted to get a good lead was in case you know sunny gray had thrown ball four to bobachette and the catcher threw over to second on that ball because, like, technically he could do that. It wasn't a force play. But, you know, all you have to do there is not, you know, get too far off the bag. And it's not a difficult thing to do. Not really that difficult of a thing to do. There are a lot more – there are a lot harder things to do in baseball than that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the uh, the Blue Jays lose. And uh, that's a lot of the reason. And, and the uh, – yeah, the Chapman – double play seemed like a bit of a nail in the coffin like it was it came the literal pitch after a line drive that was i think like two feet foul um that would have driven in two runs if it was you know two feet to the right uh because it was you know it was it would have been ground rule double but would have would have tied the game but you know it he was just just a bit off and then grounds into a double play immediately after and the the twins uh bullpen pretty much shuts it down from there um and i guess we could we could talk a little bit about you know this this 
decision that everyone seems to seems to go yeah. seems to uh get into i guess i guess we can discuss so uh in the fourth inning the twins remo- the blue jays removed jose barrios from the game um after facing the lineup one time and made way for yusei kikuchi and probably the first to say i didn't agree with the decision i would have left barrios in if you wanted to take him out after facing the order x amount of times i would have done it twice um i would have let him face it twice and you know, it's a it's a winner go home game. He looked really good in those three innings. Um, and I'm not saying I agree with taking him out. You know, I definitely don't. But you know, the reality is, like the Blue Jays would have lost regardless because they got shut out. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's not the, it's not the it's not the decision that lost the game for the Blue Jays. Uh, it was, you know, a variety of things on offense that prevented them from winning. Um, and to just break down the logic of why maybe John Schneider did that, um, it wasn't a time through the lineup issue, I don't think, because Barrios had better numbers his second time through the lineup than Kukushi had first time through the lineup. It was, it's a 664 OPS against versus a 700 OPS against for a Kukushi first time through the lineup. I think it was a it was a platoon thing. Was you know when Barrios came out. The three of the next four batters scheduled to that they were scheduled to face, which would have stayed the same if you you know were to stay in, were left-handed batters, and the numbers on left-handed batters were uh, much different for Barrios than for Kikuchi. Barrios in the regular season had a 774 OPS against lefties, or lefties had a 774 OPS against him. Kikuchi. Uh, lefties had a 659 OPS against him. And as I mentioned, three of the next four batters scheduled were left-handed batters. Um, and, you know, still, I I think I would agree with you that, yeah, I don't think it was the it was the correct decision. Brios, you know, was he, he he had he had things going right. He struck out five of 12 batters, wasn't allowing hard contact. And just I think in general is a better pitcher than Yusei Kikuchi even second time through the lineup. So, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't Not only that. Go ahead. Uh, like Jose Barrios is like, you know, a what? $130 million pitcher or something like that. Right. What's the, what is his contract extension that he got? 127. 131 mil. Yeah. Like it, you know, you, you extended this guy, you want him on your team until 2028. And at age 29, in a big game against the team that you actually acquired him from, the team that, you know, he's trying to show, hey, you traded me, this is what you traded, and you take him out of your three innings. Uh, and, it, you know, it was in an elimination game where uh, the offense wasn't doing anything, you know. You, you need to have you need to have Barrios out there. Um, I know that Kikuchi, you know, has looked a lot better this year. Um, and not only that, but it really didn't seem like anyone was aware of this plan. You know, like, Barrios didn't, you know, in his post-game quotes, sounded like he didn't know he was going to get taken out. Vlad Guerrero Jr. said, like, everyone was surprised that it happened. Um, it seems like they just didn't communicate. You know, it's saying, it felt like the plan all along was to have taken uh, Barrios out after that much time. Uh, and it just didn't, you know, and it sounded like they never actually communicated that with any of the players, which is uh, pretty brutal mismanagement by John Schneider. Yeah, right, right, right. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jays let him go, but I don't think it's it would be over this decision. I think it's no, it's 
it would be yeah. a long time coming. I'm yeah. surprised it isn't announced by now, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, you know, last year, last year, I guess he could be pr- praised for digging them out of a bit of a hole mid-season, um, but this year was, uh, you know, some underperformance on their part, both in the regular season and especially the postseason. You know, not winning a game against an 87 win team. Um, so yeah, I mean, anything more before we move on to Brewers Diamondbacks? Sorry about the Brewers and the D backs. Yeah. Um, very cool. I will say, very cool that the Twins won. Um, but I mean, it looked, they, they looked like no joke in that series. You know, maybe that, you know, it, it's hard to tell, like, is it, you know, uh, is it a Blue Jays bad? Is it a Twins good thing? The Twins looked really good they looked sharp on all fronts um you know the offense obviously you could have asked for a little bit more but uh it seems like offense just hasn't been a theme anywhere in these playoffs outside of philadelphia and maybe even maybe even arizona milwaukee because for some reason that was like the highest scoring series of this of this slate which made no sense at all exactly exactly and also last thing i'll say is minnesota's home crowd seemed pretty real Oh yeah, for yeah, for like a what three o'clock game, three thirty game. Yeah, three thirty game on their on their time. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know, raise their three thirty game and and the raise three o'clock game looked much different. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, that was a that was a playoff crowd. Absolutely, absolutely. So the Diamondbacks sweep the Brewers, uh, two games and do it by three runs in each game also um they faced a they faced a deficit early in both games and came back um in in both of them uh you know brewers offense seemed to jump early and then just kind of shut down after um some of it was you know poor clutch hitting some of it there was a little bit of bad luck there um at least on the front of one specific play but uh, I think the biggest note for me was the Brewers had six opportunities with the bases loaded throughout the series. They went 0 for 5 of the sack fly and scored one run in the, in those situations. Uh, the, the part where I'm saying bad luck is they did have bases loaded for that Evan Longoria diving double play. That was a, uh, that was a line drive with a 93.8 mile per hour exit velocity and a 770 expected batting average, um, but it resulted in two outs. Uh, for the Brewers, and I can't even fully blame the guy at second for getting double up, doubled up. It looked like that was definitely going through. Although I think the the lingo is to say is to say you know freeze on a line drive, but nonetheless, it was an out and then another out. But uh, what did you think about this series? The initial, I mean, I'm very impressed by the Diamondbacks. You know, they've all season where they looked like they were out and then they came back right i mean we you know we saw the skid that they went through in july they had like one of the worst records in the league and they came back uh as a team with not a lot of experience in the big leagues you know they're led by a rookie uh in corbin carroll um you know they they don't have a lot of playoff experience uh but they looked you know they looked like they'd been there before uh kind of in all fronts right um and, you know, they came back a lot. Uh, they were down by three in each of the two games. Um, I believe that's what it was, right? They were down by two in, in uh, game two, but they were down by three in game one. And, uh, you know, both times they came back to answer. Um, their bullpen has looked really solid, which was uh, which was really tough for them. 
uh, during the during the regular season. Paul Seawald, um, you know, have you have you seen the uh, have you seen the "It's time for Paul Seawald to pitch" meme? I don't think so. Okay, so it started. I'll just I'll give you the lore real quick. So this started when he was on the Mariners. I think it was in 2021 when he like became the closer of that team, and uh, someone made like the like the the guy cry like the soy face crying guy versus the Chad meme where it was like Kevin Cash saying like we need to take our pitcher out because like his spin rate was like twenty with twenty RPM less and you know his ex woba against the second lefty is seventy points higher and then it was just Scott Service saying it's time for Paul Seawald to pitch <laughs> and it made its way over to Arizona and now it's like kind of becoming a thing because he's closed out both games. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is it is time for Paul Seawald to pitch. And uh it's also time for Kevin Ginkle to pitch, which he did in both games very nicely. Uh Andrew Salfrank came in with a in a I believe in a bases loaded jam with one out in uh in game two and he got uh, a ground out to the pitcher and then a another ground out, right? That's what it was. Second baseman, yeah. Yeah, second base. And uh you had some interesting notes on his um on his batted ball profile. Yeah, I well, I, I watched those two at bats and I was like, this guy, it seems like he's done this before. And I'm I'm sure that he was like this in the minors, but in the 10 innings that he had uh, in the regular season at the MLB level, he had a 74% ground ball rate. Uh, he threw a sinker 63% of the time. Everything, everything he throws moves down. And, and yeah, the fact that he had a 74% ground ball rate did really strike me because I'm like, this is. Daniel's gonna love this guy. Yeah. That's that was one of my first thoughts. I was like, yeah, this... you know, you know, I love me a ground ball pitcher. Yeah. Um. And yeah, Andrew Solfrank, very, you know. By the way, he was the WPA leader uh, among all among all players in this game, um, which isn't surprising because I mean, bases loaded with one out. Um. And uh, yeah, he got out of it. Uh, the Diamondbacks also just like you know they they scored runs when they needed to. You know, you think about the uh. The ninth inning in game one, they scored two runs with two outs. I believe it was a Christian Walker double um, yep. that scored two runs that made it six to three instead of four to three. Um, yeah, they 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 looked they looked like a you know I, I I'm gonna sound like a boomer saying this, but they looked like a good old baseball team right there. Yeah, yeah. They hit you know it was a good mix of of home runs plus like other kinds of RBIs, right? I mean Corbin Carroll went deep, Alec Thomas went deep uh Ketel Marte went deep twice I believe um no just once just once okay yeah you're right I think yeah, they four, had what three home runs four home runs four D-backs homered once yeah again Gabriel Moreno who you know hopefully he's okay he got uh hit on on a backswing by self relic and came out with a concussion um that's a guy you want in your lineup if you're the Diamondbacks not even in your lineup you want it behind the plate yeah exactly so one thing, thing, um, one thing about the Christian Walker double also is he, you know, got kept it in the park, didn't kill that rally, um, so that's a good old baseball team move right there. Yeah, uh, what was their uh, what was their Babbitt with runners in scoring position? Because I feel like they did a lot better than any other team. Well, maybe I know that's just a, maybe that's just a feel thing, and it's just wrong. I know uh, that yesterday, uh, game two, they went three for five. They had, they had a, they had a three sixty four Babbitt with the runners in scoring position, which is the second highest, uh, the highest being the Miami Marlins. Yeah, so, 
I'm Alex. curious to see what the expected numbers are with runners runners in scoring position. Um, I know, I know that that Walker, um, that that Walker double, double, you know, had some very high expected numbers on it because it was hit so hard and um, it didn't look like you know a lot of the time that's that type of batted ball is a home run as well, which you know would bump up the expected numbers. Uh, yeah gonna take a take an extra look but yeah i mean like game two was a matter of them it was a matter of them you know coming through in the good situations because they didn't get a lot of runners on they only left three men on base but they were three three for five with runners in scoring position i mean like scoring five runs and only leaving three on base is you know that's plain old efficiency right there yeah um yeah, uh, team expected batting average with runners in scoring position. Looking I'm here. Looking at, I'm looking at the Marlins right now. Yeah, there's the two runs they scored. Yeah, the Marlins did score two runs, which is which is big for them. And then Jake Berger hit a single that advanced the guy from second to third. Oh, wow. And Oh, yeah, and it was an infield single. Forgot about that one. Yeah. Uh, so the Brew- so the Diamondbacks hit 267 with runners in scoring position, uh, which was the third highest among all playoff teams, tied with the Brewers, ironically, uh, and the Di- and uh, the Marlins. Yeah, and they had a 249 expected batting batting average with runners in scoring position, which was the second highest, um, which was the second highest rank uh, of the eight playoff teams in this little. Ironically, thing here. to the Brewers. Yes, to the Brewers. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, they were, they weren't the best, but they were better than most of the teams this past, uh, this past two games. They, they were getting it done. Yes. Um, and especially, yeah, especially yesterday where, you know, they came up on the very little limited amount of opportunities that they had. I mean, that, Mm -hmm. that, uh, sixth inning was huge for them. The, the fact that they were able to come back against Freddie Peralta, who had been dealing all, all night. And, you know, get somewhat of a rally. You know, they had a they had a walk, a Corbin Carroll, you know, Corbin Carroll double that just snuck through, got past the line or uh, got got down the line past uh, Santana. And yeah, eventually, eventually, you know, a rally starts and they take the lead. Um, Yeah. Anything anything more on the Diamondbacks Brewers? Yeah, I think this is a very disappointing series for the Brewers. Um, you know, they every something has always just felt off with them, you know, as a playoff team. You know, I mean, I think pretty clearly they're not the Dodgers or the Braves. Um, but this was a, this was probably the best opportunity that they've had uh since 2018 to really make some kind of run with a Diamondbacks team that was beatable, uh with a Dodgers team coming up that has a weaker pitching staff. Um, you know, this was the chance for them, and they had, you know, home field advantage. Uh, they had two of their three aces on the mound. Uh, unfortunately, Brandon Woodruff got hurt, but, you know, it wouldn't have really mattered anyway. But, yeah, it's a very, very disappointing uh, outcome for Milwaukee, and I'm very curious to see how they go from here. I think, uh, you know, David or, uh, Craig Council might be out because his contract expires this year. Corbin Burns might be out. They might trade him. Uh, Brandon Woodruff's contract expires next year. They might trade him. Who knows what direction they kind of try to go in here. And David Stearns is also gone. Uh, so 
this could be a big transition offseason for the Brewers, and we could be looking at this series with the Diamondbacks as the end of, you know, a good run of winning in the regular season with a, you know, as a small market team. Uh, but, you know, the rest of the division's catching up, right? I mean, the, the Cubs are up and coming. The Reds are up and coming. Uh, the Cardinals can get hot at any point. Unfortunately, the Pirates are still kind of waiting on. But, uh, you know, next year, we're going to have, we're going to ex- be expecting a lot more parity in the NL Central. And it feels like the era of it just being the Brewers or Cardinals by default might be coming to an end. Yeah. And just briefly going back to the missed opportunity, uh, missed opportunities of the Brewers is, you know, they lose a game that Brandon Fodd starts, you know, Brandon Fodd versus Corbin yep. Burns, and they lose that game. Um, and, you know, they seem to be right. They seem to be hitting off Zach Gallon well, didn't take advantage of that enough. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, 0 for 5 with the sack fly with bases loaded throughout the series. But yeah, going back to your point. Yeah, I mean, this easily could be a transitional time. This isn't necessarily a big market team. They didn't really spend a lot and go out and get the necessary additions, like big necessary additions that they, that, you know, other teams do. And yeah, I mean, there has not been a repeat winner. There hasn't been a back-to-back NL Central champ since the 2016 to 17 Cubs. There generally is a lot of parity in the NL Central, even taking away some of the factors that you mentioned. Like it just seems very random at, at certain points. Uh, you know, you you can't bank on the Cardinals being a seventy more team more again. like more competitive parity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I could like definitely there are, there are the, the number of teams we have expectations for are gonna be higher. Yeah, like we yeah, we, we cannot, you know, discount the Cubs and Reds next year like we discounted them this year. Mm-hmm. Um so so yeah, I mean uh yeah, I mean it's it's a missed opportunity for the Brewers, uh very much so. I mean, facing an eighty four win team to open up the playoffs and you know, not nothing to nothing taking it taking advantage of, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I mean we'll we'll see how this Brewers offseason plays out, but it's not a lot of not a lot of positivity going on in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and I guess that'll lead into the final series, which probably there's the least to talk about just because I think everything went according to plan on like most of the other series. Um, yeah. The Phillies sweep the Marlins and uh, that's, that's one of the only things that made sense uh, this, these past two days. Yeah. Uh, the, the Marlins struggled to score runs. I believe they scored one run in each of the two games and both of them were, uh, well, I mean the, the, the second of the two runs was would made it seven to one in the ninth inning. And it was a Josh Bell single that was hit under 80 miles an hour. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, no one really performed offensively. Luis Arias only hit 125. That's, you know, disappointing. Jorge Soler hit 125, uh, only singles. Um, really, the only guy that hit well was Josh Bell, who hit 500 with a 1250 OPS. I believe he hit a, a double at one point. No home runs. Um, and the Phillies just looked really solid on offense, um, right? I mean, Trey Turner looked good. Uh, Bryce Harper, you know, could have looked better, but... You know, he's coming. JT Real Muto hit a laser home run. Bryson Stott hit that grand slam. Um, everyone, you know, th- that offense was just firing on all cylinders. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, um, and and Braxton Garrett and Hazel Cesardo are no slouches. You know, those are those are guys that deserve to start playoff games and were pretty good throughout the year. 
but mm-hmm. they were able to the Phillies were able to, you know, get them out early, not let them deal for too long. Uh, you know, at most give them one to two shutout innings. And and yeah, they just they just rolled, came through in in opportunities. You know, one of the only successful uh, bases loaded at bats of the entire playoffs happened with the Phillies with that grand slam. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it really instills confidence in the Phillies believers like throughout the playoffs. You know, I, I think there's some some people out there that have the Phillies going to the World Series. And, you know, I see no fault in that pick. Uh, you know, they 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 did it last year and that home field advantage is is so is so key. Like it it just continued. They didn't skip a beat from last year and how electric that Citizens Bank crowd was. So, yeah, I mean, it really solidified how scary these these wildcard Phillies are. Yeah, I mean, this is just they are a different animal um, in the in these playoffs. Um, and I'm very excited for Phillies Braves. Um yeah, we're, I think we'll – should we just get right into the to the previews? Because, I don't know, I feel like there just really isn't a lot to say about Phillies-Marlins other than it went – that was the only series that went exactly as expected for both of us, at least. Yeah, there there's there was there were, like, zero surprises from uh Yeah, from Marlins, series Marlins congrats on getting here. Hopefully you'll well, – I hope you're back. Um, But, you know, this was just not the year. Yeah, and, and there's one thing I – like that that doesn't revolve around the series but just an idea and and we'll see how much validity will have this has after the division series but i think you know obviously you want to get that by if you're in that series but i think there is something to potentially like that energy of winning a playoff series and bringing that into another playoff series i think there's a little bit of an advantage to that of of carrying that into the next playoff series and you know, that's why, you know, it's potentially a little bit of the reason why, you know, four of the or three, three out of four of the um, teams last year to win the LD, LDS were coming from, you know, the road. So maybe there's a little bit of something to that. Um, mm-hmm. Or no, actually, that's incorrect. It was two out of four. But, you know, maybe maybe that's something to look out for. But mm-hmm. anyway. uh yeah, we'll get into previews now. Uh, I guess we could start with Orioles Rangers. I guess that's scheduled for one on Saturday to start. It's the only one with a with a schedule determined according to the MLB app. So yeah, Orioles Rangers seems to start at one. They the Orioles and Rangers split the season series three to three, and the Rangers outscored the Orioles twenty six to nineteen. Um, what are your thoughts heading into this one? Yeah, this is a fun one. Uh... The Rangers looked really impressed. Have to worry too much about their pitching. I think they only had to use like three different bullpen arms between uh, Josh Spores, Araldis Chapman, and Jose Leclerc, uh, along with, um, you know, Montgomery and Ivaldi. Um, I think you know, I, I think surprisingly they might be two pretty evenly matched teams right now. You know, with the momentum that the Rangers have and just how good the Orioles have been. All they've done this year is defy expectations. Um, and you know, it's their first run at the playoffs. Baltimore's a really, really good place to be in the playoffs as far as atmosphere uh so i'm very excited to see what that crowd looks like on saturday but uh, regardless um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting um as far as matchups go i'm assuming it's gonna be like kyle bradish versus dane dunning or something like that for game one um because i'm sure they're probably gonna rest montgomery 
Yeah, as as far as um if as the Orioles rotation goes, I would want I, I would think they would go Kyle Bradish game one, Grayson Rodriguez game two, or even Grayson Rodriguez game one. Because yeah, if you look at the overall stats, you know, Grayson Rodriguez had a four through five ERA this year, not the best, but mm-hmm. you know, as I mentioned, over his last twelve, um, over his last twelve starts, he has a two two six ERA, two seven six FIP. Um, and I think I think the Orioles made some adjustments, you know, within the organization that, you know, they they sent him down to the minors and then all of a sudden he got way better at the major league level. And something changed. He seems to be doing a lot better. So that's you know, when I'm looking at Grayson Rodriguez, I'm not looking at the guy with the four three five ERA. Um, that's just not the case. But yeah, it's it's really interesting, as you mentioned, because um you know, we're not big huge run differential people but also the rangers had the better pythagorean win loss uh this year which does say some which does say a little bit of something like rangers struggled with one run games i think orioles specifically excelled at one run games um partially i i think that's somewhat on bullpen but some of that has been disproven in, in articles on you know bullpen affecting the uh the pythagorean win loss and all that but, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting to, to outlook both, both starting rotations. Like you don't know about their depth with the Rangers. It's because of health with Orioles it's because of sort of roster construction, but, but yeah, you, you don't really know who's going out there like the, in the late games. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to wait on, to wait to see what they, what they forecast there. But I think the rotations are, uh, somewhat evenly matched. I'd give the Rangers a slight edge. I'd obviously give the the Orioles an edge in bullpen. Uh, offense and defense is uh, you can kind of chalk it up whichever way you want. Both teams have very versatile uh, and diverse offenses. You know, a lot of good bats that you don't want to face. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this one. This this is the the Orioles trying to get revenge for the thirty to three game, right? Um, the th- Orioles trying to get revenge for the three to three game. The third, oh, 30 the to three, three, game. To three again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. There is, there is always that. Yep. <laughs> there, there is yeah, always Gunner that. Henderson was probably so pissed when that happened. Oh my God. Yeah. It when just... he was about, when he was about six years old. Yeah. He was, he was just watching and just, he was, I think he threw something at the TV. It was pretty aggressive. Yeah. For some reason, he was still up in the eighth inning when it was probably like eleven thirty at night minimum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, are we ready to get into predictions here? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm I'm so like scared. I'm so scared to uh predict now. Like, yeah, yep. Regular season went so bad. This this has gone pretty bad. We're uh, on our we're on our nineteen thirty four lefty girl of arc right now. Yeah, and like. You know, Babe Ruth once said, "Don't let the fear of striking out let you from playing the game." But I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to go up at bat right now. I, I just have no confidence up here. But you know, I, I figure, we, you know, you get the way you get out of a slump is you go up at bat. So, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Rangers in four, here. Yeah, I, I get it. I was gonna, I was thinking about saying the same thing, uh, for the purpose of. One of us being right. I'm gonna go Orioles in five, because yeah. I can't. I can't let both of us look stupid here. One of us has got to come out 
uh, looking like they knew what they were talking about. Anyway, Orioles are probably winning three now. Um, <laughs> but I'll go. I'll go Orioles in five. Um, you know, I think if I mean, I you know, listen, all the Orioles have done this year is defy expectations. I think if, even if you get to a game five in Baltimore, that's not a place you want to be as a visiting team. Um, you know, ideally it'll be like a night game. They'll they'll push it back uh, because the rest of the baseball schedule. Uh, it doesn't fit it, but uh, yeah, I, I will happily go uh, Orioles in five. Yeah, I, I definitely um that that's that if I had to choose another result, it probably would be that result. Um, mm-hmm. with I think there's something with me with uh road teams winning. I think it's hard for the for like a road team to go into another you know into into the other stadium and win that game five. Uh, so that's why I stuck with four. I feel like yeah. they might they'll they might split at Camden and then you know they'll they'll take both in Texas. But I mean nothing will surprise me in this series. It's, it's pretty even odds also. Yeah, um, I'm thinking I'm thinking they split both uh, Baltimore and Texas, and then they come home to Baltimore in Game Five, and the Orioles just rally behind that crowd. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, you know I'll I'll be surprised at nothing. But uh, yeah, I got Rangers and Ford. Daniels got uh Orioles in five and for the first time or for the second time probably uh one of us you know one of us will be right in this in this situation <laughs> so Braves Phillies it's the one that everyone is going to be paying the most attention to rightfully so uh it's the most exciting one one I'm probably most excited for uh it's you know it's the best wild card team going against the best team in baseball at least record wise the uh, to break down, you know what they did earlier in the season. Braves won the season series eight to five. They outscored the Phillies seventy four to fifty eight. But obviously, also the Phillies uh, won in the NLDS last year. Uh, in it was basically the same scenario as this one. And uh, just player wise, uh, Marcelo Zuna, Matt Olson, and Austin Riley all had a thousand OPSs or higher in fifty plus plate appearances against the Phillies. Uh, in 2023 uh, what what are your thoughts on this series yeah i mean i this is obviously the battle of the heavyweights this is the, the matchup that you want uh, at some point it's the matchup that you definitely most want to you know go to a game five or at least you know look competitive at times um the thing that worries me the most about this series is the braves rotation i really don't like the state that they're in right now you know spencer strider is gonna pitch game one um and you know he's obviously a big name uh, he's a guy that strikes out a lot of batters, doesn't walk a lot of guys, but you know, the Phillies got to him last year and they're more than capable of getting to him this year because he does have a high ERA. He does give up a lot of hits, um, and a lot of home runs as well. But after that, you know, Max Freed is questionable. I know that he pitched in the, in the little simulated game, um, the other day, but you know, who knows if he's ready to go. Charlie Morton is questionable right now. Uh, Mike Soroka, uh, unfortunately has forearm inflammation right now. Um, so their their rotation right now, as it stands, is Spencer Strider, Bryce Elder, AJ Smith, Schwarner, uh, and that's kind of it. You know, there's not a lot of names that you really feel confident going out there and, and giving you a good outing. Um, but you, we know what this we know about this Braves offense, right? It's it's you know Acuna with his 40 70 season. It's Austin Riley, Matt Olson, uh, and Michael Harris, Sean Murphy, and then you know even like Eddie Rosario and. Orlando Arcia at the end of the at the end of the lineup there. I mean, they're going to make you, you know, there's there are no easy outs here. Uh yeah, there's it's it's a true zero hole lineup. 
Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, the the Phillies are going to have a, a a couple of holes. I know they had like Christian Pache and Johan Rosas out there as as mainly defensive, you know, entities. But you know, we're getting at bats in that lineup in that uh in that Marlins series. So yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be really interesting. Uh, the Phillies obviously have Wheeler and Nola. You know they'll be pushed back to games two and three most likely. They'll probably they might put uh, Taiwan Walker or Christopher Sanchez out there game one. Um, Sanchez has looked pretty good this year, just at least ERA wise. And obviously, you talked all about his uh, all about his pitch movement and all that uh, mm-hmm. a little a little while back. And then Taiwan Walker, you know, you're not going to have the most confidence in, but he is a he is a pitcher that will get some innings and and you know put your team in maybe a decent enough situation, but who knows? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this rides on the health of Max Freed. I'm pretty sure Morton is, is kind of ruled out for this series. Um, Freed was, I think they're more confident in, in him pitching in the series, like game two behind Spencer Strider. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think I, I kind of like the approach of the Braves, uh, you know, playing those simulated games and, and taking this, taking this new approach because, you know, even if it doesn't work, it's, it's a new, it's a new way to attack the series. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways to look at this. I mean, obviously like the Braves are going to want to win both at a, at home this time around. They they don't want to give a, they don't want to give a game at home because you know, it's, it's a, it's a battleground uh, over there at, at citizens bank park. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, those are most of the thoughts on it. it it's it's hard like this this Phillies team is such a a grinder again. Here's what I will say. I think the winner of this I think the winner of this series will go to the World Series um in my opinion. I think a lot of people would would hold that opinion and maybe maybe I could go maybe I could go as far to say that the winner of this series wins the World Series. I'm not I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think they match up I think both these teams match up well against any any american league team um Mm -hmm. any american league team any national league team uh you know i don't think there's going to be much of a power struggle even even if the phillies won just 90 games i mean that's more than last year and they did they did just fine so so yeah i mean do we want to get into predictions here yeah let's do it um i i not for any specific reason i'm just gonna go braves in five yeah um i was i'm not gonna lie i'm also gonna go braves in five um, I think, I think I'm I'm gonna go with a hot take here. I think the home team wins every game. Yeah, I I think I'm kind of my my brain is going in that direction as well. Yeah, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I I just hope I hope we get a fifth game. I think that's what we need the most. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, at least we're guaranteed uh some Citizens Bank Park action, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean. If the if the Braves can, you know, Braves a lot of pressure on the Braves to win this first game because they're likely not facing Wheeler or Nola, um, and that's that that was the case. Yeah, that was the case last year. They had they faced Ranger Suarez game one, had some opportunities with some with some uh, with some runners in scoring position, didn't capitalize on it, and eventually lost that game by one or two runs. I forget I forget how many, but it ended up being close, and they didn't. They didn't come out on top and end up losing the series where, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. Game one, game two, if they can go out and and get Wheeler and win that game, two, it puts them up in a very good position. But 
yeah, you never know. You never know with playoff baseball. No, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, yeah, it's a battle of the heavyweights. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we will get into uh, a 2020 AL wildcard rematch uh, with Astros and Twins. Things look a lot different for both teams now. Um, one of the one of the players from the Astros is now on the Twins. One of the main players, yep. obviously, Carlos Correa. Uh, looking at the series, the Twins actually won the season series four to two and outscored the Astros twenty nine to twenty five. Not too many other notes uh, regarding this series. Um, it'll be interesting. Starts at Minute Maid, obviously. Uh, what do you What are your thoughts on this one? This is a very tricky series. You know, it's a more tricky series than to predict than you would have thought it would have been. Like maybe a week ago, definitely preseason. You know, if you saw, if someone showed you preseason. You know, Astros versus Twins ALDS. I'm thinking Twins got to the ALDS. That's pretty cool. Anyway, Astros in three. But I don't think it's going to be that easy. Um, You know, the Astros are kind of another team right now that you look at their, their rotation and you kind of tilt your head and say, huh? You know, Verlander is going to be starting game one, I'm sure. And, you know, he is, you know, the reigning Cy Young Award winner, but he's definitely showed signs of aging this year. Uh, Framber Valdez will start game two, and you know we know we know who he is. We know that he's great. Uh, Christian Javier, you know he hasn't been as good this year, and I don't love the matchup of him going against a team that thrives off of fly balls, right? Um, you know I don't. I'm not a huge fan of that. Granted, last time he did that in the playoffs, it was the the Phillies in the World Series, and that went okay. But you know he's been a different pitcher this year. Um, and as far as the Twins go, you know we know what that rotation looked like against the Blue Jays. We know that Joe Ryan's going to be going in game one, right? Like that's, you know, that's their game three starter, but effectively a guy that you could argue is a game one caliber starter. Um, so, you know, there's no, there's no real holes in that rotation right now. Uh, the lineup you definitely need to see more out of, you know, they only scored what five runs against the blue Jays in two games. Uh, and, right. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you need to see more out of them um, for sure. But uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubts about it. Um, and yeah, I think there. I think you make a good point there that the you you look at this series much differently uh, now than you did even you know even five days ago or whatever. Like you you look at it much differently because now the stigma around the twins that you know I definitely had on them uh, is mm-hmm. is pretty much disappeared. Like they've it's gone. They've, They've not only won a playoff game, they've swept the playoff series against what we imagine was a, a pretty good, a pretty solid uh, opponent there. Um, you know, a much better six seed than over in the NL. Um, you know, that's an 89 win team, lots of talent on them. But but yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people will point out like Astros playoff experience or maybe use and, and that's valid and maybe use last year's postseason success as, you know, a, a marker for their success this year. You know, I think there's there's also a case where this is a this Astros team is a is a bit different than last year's Astros team. Uh just last year's Astros team had a team ERA plus of 132. This year's has a team ERA plus of 107. So that means that the Astros pitching staff is 25% worse than they were last year. And, you know, I think there's there's something to be said in that. They're not, I think, the same dominant Astros that they were last year. Not saying that the, that's going to discount them from, from playoff success this year, but I think that domination factor of them potentially going 
11 and two in, in these playoffs, it it's, it's, a, it's going to be a lot harder for them considering, mm-hmm. you know, regression in uh, some of their players, you know, maybe ages, age of some of their players, maybe regression in certain positions, but you know, they were overall a, a worse team this year, still good enough to win the ALS, but you know, it'll, it'll be interesting, but you know, and the twins winning this past, this past week, that makes it a lot more interesting too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the Astros still have a, a ton of advantages here. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, you, I, you don't want to get too held up on, on what they were this, this regular season, because I mean, like this is a team that obviously has far and away the most postseason experience out of any team here. Uh, they, they understand, you know, what, what it means to play here at this level, you know, even the newer guys like Jose Abreu, like he's, you know, been there before with the White Sox, uh, against the Astros. So he knows what it's like to play the postseason in Houston. Um, you know, like, and everyone else in the lineup has been there before. Right. So it's hard. It's hard to discount, uh, the fact that these are, these guys are all know, you know, they know the mindset, they know what they're supposed to be thinking out there. Yeah. And we remember the last time the Astros and twins met up was the Astros were a sub 500 team. They mm-hmm. did not look like, you know, good postseason contenders. It looked like, you know, this was going to be year, a year where they, where they fell off, but, but no, they, they flipped a switch. They did all the right things and, you know, swept, swept the twins and then went on to um, beat the A's in four, which we also thought were a superior team and, and took the raise to seven in the ALCS. So yeah, you can never discount that. Um, you know, this is a team that, you know, if they if they don't if they don't win this series, that's the first time since 2016 where they're not making an ALCS. So there's a reason why they've been able to do that. Um, any anything more before we get into predictions? Uh, one thing that I'm very interested to see is, and this has kind of been a saga all season, but where the Astros go with catcher? Do they go with Martin Maldonado? Do they go with Yiner Diaz? Uh, do they pinch hit Yiner Diaz in the late innings if they need a bat? Because one of them is massively superior offensively, but the other one is, you know, a guy that a lot of the pitchers feel more comfortable throwing to. Um, so I'm very curious to see how they go there. I'm curious to see if Jeremy Pena breaks back into his postseason form of last year because we simply never saw it in the regular season this year. Um, you know, we saw Bregman have a bit of a down year this year. We saw Brayu have a huge down year this year. Um, we saw, you know, Michael Brantley just come back from an injury. I'm very curious to see if these guys all come back like it's nothing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think one thing that will be a factor for me throughout this postseason, you know, how however long the Astros um, stick around here, is like, you know, there uh, is is Christian Javier because mm-hmm. you know last year he in 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 game four or, or in game three of the ALCS you know he was a major factor went into the Bronx basically silenced that stadium with how great he was um and then game four of the World Series he goes out uh, at Citizens Bank Park and basically saves the series for the Astros Thing, things look so bleak so bleak for Houston after that game three where they lost seven to nothing and he goes out throws six no hit innings uh, you know, gets gets all those pop-ups, gets all those swings and misses, and performs great. Whereas, you know, in in these upcoming playoff series, however many there they may be, I don't know if we can necessarily trust that, considering how rough things have been going for Christian Javier over the past few months. It's it's 
looking a lot different than it did, uh, you know, like that last year heading into heading into the 2022 playoffs, Javier had given up like one run in his previous 32 innings or something crazy like that. Um, whereas this year it's, it's way different. So I think that'll be a, a big, a big difference in the playoffs for, for the Astros this year. Yeah. Um, predictions. Yeah. For, for this one, I got, um, I'm, I'm taking Astros in four and th- I'll, I'll throw in a, a bonus prediction where if I get it right, I'll look like a genius. If I get it wrong, no one will remember. Jose Altuve first at bat of for the Astros home run into the Crawford boxes against Joe Ryan. Um, yeah, Joe for Ryan. Some reason, a, I'm feeling he's a it. big. He's a big fly ball pitcher. It makes sense. I'm also going to go Astros in four here. Uh, here's the thing. I really wanted to pick Minnesota, and I know that this is such a stupid reason to deviate, but I saw the video that's been going viral of the Twins fans leaving Target Field yesterday doing the We Want Houston chant, and. They they don't know. You can't you can't do it. Like that's that's it. Yeah, no. They no. like you know. They, they, I know they're inexperienced. They don't. They haven't won a playoff series in twenty one years. They don't understand. You can't do it. It does. It's never worked. I don't like. You could show me. You could show me like a video of Nationals fans doing it in twenty nineteen. I'd be and I would have been like, no, it's fake. They didn't. They it didn't. It didn't work. Yeah. Same thing with like same thing with Braves fans in twenty one. Right. I, I don't think the Astro, I don't think Astros fans have ever done that. And also what Astros fans have never done is made a parody rap song about yeah. their team and, yep. and for them in that in that respect. Yep. Unfortunately someone on the Dodgers did. Some Dodgers fan made one where he dissed the Padres. Oh, well you know. Yeah. Yeah, that that didn't that didn't work. That did not work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, it's a, such a stupid reason to pick the Astros. It's not the reason I'm picking them. Obviously, the Astros are inevitable. But I mean, look, you can't you can't do it. You gotta yeah. know you get it's, it's 2023. You gotta understand. You you don't want Houston, and if you say you want Houston, you you're gonna see why you don't want Houston. Yeah, you want Houston, you're gonna get Houston, and yeah. Houston's not gonna be what you want it to be. Um, how many games did you say you had them in? Four. Yeah, Astros and four from both of us. Uh, so now we get into the final series to talk about here, and it is the Dodgers and Diamondbacks, which feels like the biggest trap in the history yeah. of predictions. Um, as far as uh, statistical analysis of it, the Dodgers won the season series eight to five and outscored the Diamondbacks seventy-two to forty-seven. Hey, hey, Dodgers regular season success against another AL West or NL West team, you know that. Sounds pretty familiar there. Uh, as far as individual numbers, Zach Gallen against the Dodgers in 2023 had two starts, 10 innings, and a 9.90 ERA and an 8.26 FIP. Uh, Christian Walker against the Dodgers this year had a 5.94 OPS in 51 plate appearances. Corbin Carroll had a 5.60 OPS in 53 plate appearances. Meanwhile, on the Dodgers side, Freddie Freeman against the Diamondbacks in 2023 had a 10.98 OPS and an 8.6% strikeout rate in 58 plate appearances. Uh, James Outman had a 1086 OPS in 47 plate appearances against the Diamondbacks this year, and Will Smith had a 999 OPS in 44 plate appearances against the Diamondbacks this year. And by the way, I mean, I'm not trying to create a narrative with those statistics. Mm-hmm. Like, there are no, there were no, like, significant great Diamondbacks performances against the Dodgers and no significant uh, Dodger like, 
no significant Dodgers who were doing poorly against the Diamondbacks. So, you know, and I know that the Diamondbacks also won five games in the season series. It's not, wasn't necessarily a blowout by, by any stretch, but those are the, that's the statistical analysis that, uh, the, the, the significant statistical analysis that we can provide, but what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, listen, this is not the first time we've seen a Dodgers and Diamondbacks prediction trap series. Um, there was a there was a trap series in 2017. I fell face first into it. Um, I was so high on the Diamondbacks that year, and the Dodgers the Dodgers swept in three. So, uh, the and the trap this time is the opposite way, right? It's you know it's come on man pick the Dodgers. It's so obvious. When the reverse, it was come on man pick the Diamondbacks. The friendly pick. Uh, I mean you look at the lineup, right? It's it's Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, one, two, three. It's Max Muncy, JD Martinez, and then the revival of Jason Hayward, four, five, six, and or yeah, four, five, six, and then it's uh, you know, former Diamondback, David Peralta, it's James Altman, it's uh Miguel Rojas at shortstop, but then it's also, you know, it's uh, you know, guys like Ahmed Rosario, Chris Taylor on the bench, PK Hernandez on the bench who has uh experience. And you got a bullpen that's very good, right? I mean, you got a bullpen of with Evan Phillips uh, closing it out with Bruce Dog Gratterall, Caleb Ferguson, Ryan Brazier, Joe Kelly, Alex Besha, Shelby Miller, another former Diamondback. There's three former Diamondbacks on this team, by the way, with with uh, Peralta, JD, and Shelby Miller. Um, and then there's that rotation. It doesn't look good at all. It's Ker- Kershaw with bad peripherals and like. You know, people will say whatever they want about Kershaw's postseason track record, but uh, people forget he does actually pitch very well in the postseason sometimes as well. So that that narrative is very hit or miss, right? Yeah, um, he's the biggest boom bust guy out there. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, look, man. I mean, is it incredibly tough to predict? Absolutely. Uh, it's it's incredibly tough to not fall into that. Uh, anyway i'm gonna go dodgers in three yeah it's it's hard not. Uh, i will to. i will jump into it and then see what happens yeah I, I i can't i can man like the dodgers are another team that feels inevitable and objectively on paper the 2022 padres are a much better team than the 2023 diamondbacks so i don't want to i don't want to use that series as a reference yeah predicting predicting the dodgers is so is so hard like just no matter what especially you know especially in the playoffs but you know i know um i was thinking back to you know my predictions on the show about the dodgers and ex- if you take out the wild card round i have been wrong about the last four dodgers postseason series um <laughs> i had the rays against them in the 2020 world series i was wrong about that I had the Giants against them in the 2021 NLDS. I was wrong about that. I had the Dodgers over Braves in 2021 NLDS or NLCS, excuse me. Uh, I was wrong about that. And I had the Dodgers over the Padres last year in the division round. And uh, I was wrong about that. So past four, past four rounds, I have been wrong about them. So yeah, it's hard not to fall into a trap either way. Like this is, I'm, I said earlier uh, in a group chat of ours, like I want to abstain from picking the Dodgers because they've just, they've just disappointed me too much the past two years, but also like, I don't know. It's this is, this is such an overmatch on almost all fronts, except for starting pitching. Like Diamondbacks have the advantage there slightly, but 
Um, but you know, Dodgers bullpen, by the way, has a two two one ERA since the start of August. That is overwhelmingly the best in baseball. Um, so like their bullpen, like I I I wasn't too high on them in the middle of the season, but they've really turned it around and become one of the best in baseball yet again. No surprises there. Um, then on offense, I mean, they scored, I think the second most runs in baseball this year, uh, behind, you know, obviously Betts, Freeman, and then of course, Smith, Muncie, Martinez, Martinez being back is a big thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they, they overmatch the Diamondbacks in almost every single way. Uh, and I am going to take the Dodgers as well. Um, I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them in four games why not who you know although i know they live in extremes either extreme disappointment or extreme dominance yeah. but i'll take them in four i maybe maybe zach gallon defeats them uh in that in that game too but yeah i'll take dodgers in four just to just to go a little bit softer there um and also I um I, I wanted to save it till the end but i just decided to go with a random theme of picks i am picking the team who scored more runs than the other for each in the regular season who scored That's more valid. runs than the other because teams who scored more runs than the other in this most recent play, playoff series, they went 4-0, and whereas the team with the lower team ERA went 1-3. Uh, the Phillies had the advantage in both, uh, if you're wondering what the uh, what the numbers are there. So... So yeah, I, I'm I'm sticking with the theme of offense winning. And uh yeah, that's that's what I'll say about that. Very nice. Um all right. So yeah, anything more before we wrap this up? No. Series series starts on Saturday and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, hopefully more fun. Hopefully than, more fun than this round. Hopefully more fun than this round. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens. Go to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Uh, also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show on Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next time where we will be hopefully uh, recapping the LDSs and previewing the LCSs. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.